Here's a fun college football trivia fact for you all. This is the third year in a row where a Brian Kelly-led team, whether it be LSU this year and last year or Notre Dame in 2021, opens up their season against Mike Norvell's Florida State Seminoles. And both the 2021 and 2022 matchups were close games, the 2021 game being taken into overtime, which Notre Dame won, and the 2022 game, it came down to an extra point, which Florida State blocked with the Seminoles winning 24-23. to Before we resume this preview and prediction video, please remember to hit that subscribe button and also click the notification bell so you can get notified when I upload new college football content. I'm mainly a Big Ten channel, but I also preview one major non-Big Ten game a week, and later today I am also going to release a shorter, probably around 20-minute video where I make 10 quick picks for 10 games all around college football and talk about each game for probably two or maybe three minutes. So... I have tons of college football content that releases weekly, and I would appreciate it if you subscribed, hit the notification bell, and also please like this video so we can get it into the algorithm and have more people join our community. We're trying to reach 20,000 subscribers by the end of the college football season. Now, let's get back to previewing the much-anticipated Florida State versus LSU Week 1 college football matchup. This year, both teams are ranked in the preseason top 10, Florida State being ranked 8th, LSU being ranked 5th. There are college football playoff expectations placed on both of these squads, with many pundits and analysts and college football fans picking the Tigers or the Seminoles, perhaps both in some cases, to reach the college football playoff this season. And surprisingly enough, when we think of LSU and Florida State, oftentimes we don't think about championship caliber programs, but all of that is recency bias, because if you think more than three seconds or five seconds about, you realize that LSU just went 15-0 and and won the national title in dominant fashion in 2019, which was four seasons ago. And Florida State under Jimbo Fisher, who now looks like a shell of the coach who he was back then, but he still achieved at a high level and was leading Florida State into their own post-Bobby Bowden elite age, where from 2012 to 2014, in three seasons, they won the ACC championship game. They won 12 or more games, going 12-2 and two in 2012 going 14 and 0 in 2013 winning the national title and Jameis Winston winning the Heisman and in 2014 the Florida State Seminoles went 13 and 1 going 13 and 0 and continuing their win streak from 2013 and the end of 2012 but ultimately falling in a blowout to Oregon in the Rose Bowl to close out their season with a 13 and 1 record both of these teams in the college football playoff era have made the playoff. In LSU's case, they won the playoff. 
and Florida State won the national championship in the final year of the BCS. So these are very proud programs. They've just had a few down years over the past decade, whether it was Les Miles being fired at the beginning of 2016 and Ed Orgeron having a few seasons where he didn't achieve at the level that LSU fans and LSU athletics wanted him to achieve at. He didn't achieve at the highest level all the time, and that's why he ended up being let go was because of some off-the-field issues and because he put together one ridiculously good team, and the year prior to that he had a 10-3 and team that won, I think, the Peach Bowl against the UCF Knights, who were on their own win streak, dating back to the beginning of 2017. But outside of those two seasons, Ed Orgeron had nine wins or fewer in 13 games, or in some cases 12 games, depending on whether he made a bowl game or coached in a bowl game or not, or I know LSU had some games canceled due to hurricanes. And for Florida State, Jimbo Fisher ran them into the ground, and ever since 2017, they have not been playing at even an above-average to good level in relative to Power 5 football. But last year they went 10-3, and and LSU last year captured the SEC West, beating Alabama, losing to Florida State, getting blown out by Tennessee and Georgia, and also losing to Texas A&M, who went 5-7. and They had their rough moments, just like Florida State, who lost to NC State, Wake Forest, and got dominated by Clemson for what seems like the nth year in a row. But here these programs are. LSU was picked by ESPN to win the SEC West again this year, and Florida State was picked to win the ACC. So these two programs have high expectations. They're no longer in rebuilding years. Entering last year, many thought Brian Kelly, myself included, was going to be faced with rebuilding LSU and that he potentially wouldn't be a good fit. Well, I was wrong on that. Brian Kelly is a good fit. I don't think he's as good of a recruiter as Ed Orgeron is, but he's certainly a better developer, and he has a track record of success, and he's a top-10 head coach. Mike Norvell I wouldn't place in that same category, but he is younger, he's growing as a head coach, and I predicted Florida State to get six, seven, or eight wins last year, and they ended up getting 10, and they finished as the highest-ranked ACC team. I think they finished 11th in the AP poll, whereas Clemson finished 13th. So now these two teams entering 2023, first game of the season is on a neutral site on a a Sunday night, an exclusive college football game. There's no competition. This is going to be the only college football game being played, the only one on Sunday night. This game kicks off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. Again, it is played on a Sunday in Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. So last year, I believe it was played in the Superdome. This game was, it was played in New Orleans, or maybe I got the name of the stadium wrong, but it was played in New Orleans, much closer to home for LSU than Florida State. This year, it's the reverse being played in Camping World Stadium, which is closer to Florida State and Tallahassee. LSU won the SEC West, and they blew out Purdue 63-7 in the Citrus Bowl. Florida State beat Oklahoma 35-32 
in the Cheez-It Bowl, and they went 9-3 and three in the ACC. And at the end of the year, they were neck and neck in terms of the eye test, comparing them to Florida State. And at the end of the year, many pundits said that they were the better team. They just had that rough patch in the beginning to middle of the 2022 season. Florida State finished 10-3 and last year, and LSU finished 10-4. and ESPN's FPI is a lot higher on LSU than it is on Florida State, and that's understandable. The football power index, as is the case with plenty of power rankings, but ESPN's, I believe, is the most guilty of this, is the FPI loves to snort recruiting rankings. Even if, like for Texas A&M, for example, Texas A&M was ranked, I, I think, fairly high in ESPN's FPI for several years in a row because they would recruit at a high level, and every incoming class, ESPN would just snort that recruiting class as if it means much of anything in year one. You can have some impact true freshmen, but typically it takes a few years or at least two years for those recruits to cycle through. LSU has been recruiting at a much better level than Florida State over the past several years, so from compounding different recruiting classes together, LSU does have the more talented and deeper roster when you look at how they've recruited at the high school level. Both schools have used and abused the transfer portal as well, so they're even there. This isn't like Florida State and Clemson, where Clemson has recruited better through high school, but Florida State has completely outdone them in the transfer portal and that game's going to be fascinating because the roster full of transfers versus the roster of loyal four stars and five stars we'll see who wins out there and see if Florida State tries to prioritize high school recruiting more or Dabo Swinney and Clemson adapt and use the transfer portal depending on who wins that game maybe nothing changes but that's something to look out for in the future Um, Both of these teams got critical players, not just bodies and not just depth pieces, but they got key players who will be making starts from the transfer portal. An example of this for Florida State is Keon Coleman at wide receiver, Fentrell Cypress at cornerback. Um, I know that Jared Verse last year was a transfer, and then on the interior of the defensive line, Braden Fisky, or maybe Feisk, I butchered his name for sure, but he's an incoming transfer at defensive tackle. Um, Also on offense, Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock, the two tight ends, the two best tight ends for Florida State's roster. They're incoming transfers. And then Jeremiah Byers, Casey Roddick, and Keandre Jones, three offensive linemen in the two, two deep. Those players are incoming transfers. And they'll be making contributions, or they will be straight up starting for Florida State tomorrow night. And then for LSU, obviously, defensively is where the Tigers made their biggest transfer portal additions. At wide receiver, Aaron Anderson did transfer in from Alabama, and Logan Diggs, who looks to be the number two running back, transferred in from Notre Dame, where he had a good year last year. But defensively, there look to be five starters who came in from the portal just this 2023 preseason. Jordan Jefferson will be the defensive tackle alongside Meki Wingo because obviously Mason Smith has been suspended for a game 
which is debatable. Some think it's ridiculous. I'm more inclined to say, you know, sort of ridiculous and hypocritical, but honestly, I don't want to get too much into that. At a certain point, it's like you knew that the rules are the rules, even if now it may look hypocritical. Those were the rules back then. Just please follow the rules. It's like me as a Michigan fan with Jim Harbaugh. I don't necessarily care that, you know, Michigan was getting a, you know, small recruiting advantage or they purchased a cheeseburger for a recruit or that they got a recruit on campus visits during the COVID dead period. Like that stuff was against the rules. And even though in my mind, those are the tiniest of infractions that really don't mean much of anything, you knew the rules, you signed up to follow them. So just please follow them and don't get yourselves in trouble. But anyway, that's just my opinion. If you disagree, I totally respect why you disagree. I think college football should be a sport of respect as we know that the best coaches respect each other. They don't typically hate each other. But Jordan Jefferson will be starting as a transfer because of Mason Smith's suspension. Ovi Ogufo at Jack, he'll be starting incoming transfer. Omar Spates, elite linebacker from Oregon State, he'll be starting alongside of Harold Perkins. I think LSU is the best linebacker room in all of college football. And then Zy Alexander and Deuce Chestnut, all two of LSU's starting corners, will be incoming transfers. And in the 2023 season, Florida State had the number six incoming transfer portal class. LSU had the number two incoming transfer portal class. So, Brian Kelly and Mike Norvell, they love using the transfer portal. The Bayou Bengals are favored by two points in this game, very tight point spread, and they're given a 64.8% chance to win according to ESPN's FPI. Whereas Florida State doesn't recruit quite as well, they do have more returning production and more experience, and I do think that ESPN's FPI, I'd say properly rates Florida State at, or maybe slightly undervalues them. I don't think they're overvaluing Florida State. Florida State's my preseason ACC championship pick. However, I do think ESPN's FPI, who ranks LSU as the fourth best team in college football, I think that's almost ridiculously high on LSU. I think LSU should be more in that 10 to 6 range rather than that five, four, or three range. And I've seen people list them as high as number two, which I think is asinine. But if LSU comes out and just dominates this game, then I'll have to rethink that. But those are just preseason predictions and thoughts of mine. These are two very impressive teams that have a rising head coach in Mike Norvell. And Brian Kelly, just about a decade ago, I would have classified as a rising head coach coming from Cincinnati and nearly reaching the national championship if Texas just misses that field goal against Nebraska in the 2009 Big 12 championship Cincinnati would have gone on to play Alabama in that BCS title game with Brian Kelly as their head coach and about a decade or a decade and a half ago Brian Kelly left Cincinnati after having that very successful season and was tasked with bringing Notre Dame back to more of what it saw under Lou Holtz rather than Bob Davey, Tyrone Willingham, and Charlie Weiss, which I can't imagine living through 
the tenures of those three coaches with the ups and the downs and the inability to win big games. It was it was painful. And Kelly brought them back. And with Florida State, I get that there's this sense and expectation that Norvell is going to do something similar. And last year was just a taste of what Florida State can become if they do get to the top. They're recruiting better right now, the Seminoles are. They have a top 10 recruiting class. LSU also has a top 10 recruiting class. So these programs, if you haven't bought stock in them already, while I can't say they're going to have amazing years this year, in the long term, it looks like these programs are going to continue to rise compared to the past two or three years where Florida State and LSU have typically struggled. So if you haven't bought stock in these programs already, it would be more advisable to do so than to continue to wait around. Some position advantages that I want to touch on, I already said that I think FPI wildly overvalues LSU, but properly rates Florida State. Nonetheless, I do think LSU is the better team with the better roster. Now, obviously, the better team doesn't always win, A possible example from yesterday was how Minnesota beat Nebraska when Nebraska dominated the entire second half. According to ESPN, Nebraska was the more efficient team, and Minnesota had to get a few late turnovers and just some awful decisions and mistakes by Nebraska to come away with a three-point win. So depending on how Nebraska and Minnesota seasons play out, that might be a game where we look back on and say, Nebraska was the better team, they just made more mistakes, and maybe Minnesota's home field advantage and opportunism gave them the win. And Michigan versus Michigan State in 2021, where the Spartans beat Michigan, that's another example of where the the worst team beat the better team, but because of matchups, home field advantage, game plan, and other things, Michigan State won. That's why we play the games, because otherwise... If the better team on paper always won, then the excitement and the the thrill of college football would never be there, and preseason predictions would be totally right, but they aren't. In fact, more often than not, preseason predictions are wrong. Um, I think LSU is the better staff, quarterback. With Brian Kelly as the head coach, he's far more proven than Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell I have in between, I'd say the number 30 and number 20 Power 5 head coach. I need to see more of his coaching to believe that he definitely fits in that top 25, top 20 area, like that number 15 to number 25 head coach in all of America. I need to see more from him. I think that he'll deliver this season, but I am cautiously optimistic about Florida State and their staff. Obviously, they lost Kenny Dillingham, After the 2021 season to Oregon, he's now the head coach at Arizona State where they struggled mightily against Southern Utah last night. I think that game extended early into the morning. And I think that Florida State have a good defense. Their offense and their staff are good to great. And I think that they are either the best or second best conditioned team in the entire ACC. The problem is LSU just has a great to near elite staff, and Matt House is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Mike Denbrock would probably be the weakest link in the chain of LSU staff, I would say. I don't think his offense is very dynamic, 
at Cincinnati and at last year for LSU, the defense when Mike Denbrock was on staff was more successful than his offense and won more games, but he is a good offensive coordinator and the way that he's utilized um, Jaden Daniels when LSU last year struggled to run the football and had a very insecure and inept offensive line, the way that he used Jaden Daniels to run the football was very impressive, very intelligent, and he knows how to get his wide receivers and even tight end Mason Taylor, when he was practically the only tight end on the roster last year, how to get them into action, keep them healthy, and get them utilized. So I like LSU staff. I also think they're better conditioned and better trained than Florida State is, and that combined with better recruiting talent means that in many of these other areas, even on the defensive line, when Mason Smith is out, and Mason Smith, I think, is the best defensive tackle in the nation, he's gone. He's not going to be in this game. That is a big loss, and I still think, even with Jared Verse on that D-line and Mason Smith out, I still think LSU is the better D-line. They have better depth. They've recruited better. Mackie Wingo is a very underrated player. I also think he's an All-American caliber defensive tackle, along with his partner Mason Smith on the opposite side of that defensive line formation. And on the offensive line as well, LSU returned a lot of starters from last season on the offensive line. Will Campbell, who was nearly a five-star in, I believe, the 2022 recruiting class, He's a sophomore now, started and had significant playing time as a true freshman, and now he's out. I think that he'll improve. And then Charles Turner the third at center, redshirt senior, veteran leader. It's always good to have experience at the center position. Garrett Dellinger is another recruit who was a blue-chip prospect, I believe out of Michigan. He's a true junior, and he's with LSU, and... I think that I think the left side of this offensive line, but also Miles Frazier and Emory Jones Jr., another true sophomore along with Will Campbell. This offensive line, I have questions about it. I do not think it will be elite under any circumstances, but it does have the possibility to hit a great or near elite level of play. And I think that would be enough for LSU to compete for the SEC given the talent that they have at wide receiver quarterback and linebacker. We don't even need to talk about Harold Perkins and Omar Spates. I, I want to talk about Harold Perkins, actually, to fall back on that briefly for a few seconds. Harold Perkins last year for LSU as a true freshman led the team in sacks with 7.5. He had four passes defended, three forced fumbles, one interception, and he was third on the team in total tackles with 72. Freak athlete, amazing player, great, great man, great kid. I think that he's going to have a good game, and he'll improve compared to last year. Very impressive. And for Omar Spates, similar story. All Pac-12 linebacker says that I want to play at LSU or, you know, he's going to get more exposure. That linebacker room is the best in the country. And at quarterback, with Jaden Daniels returning, along with Garrett Nussmeyer, I think that Jordan Travis is individually the better quarterback here. So there is an argument that Florida State has the better quarterback room. But I think that LSU is the much better depth. I think that if Daniels goes down and Nussmeyer comes in, there won't be 
a big impact, at least in the passing game. Obviously, Daniels is much more nimble, runs the football more, and has more experience than Nussmeyer, better leader. But Nussmeyer's talents, I would trust him to win games for LSU as long as the supporting cast is functioning. Behind Jordan Travis, I think there would be a significant drop-off if it was unfortunate that he got injured. And then at wide receiver, it's also close, but I think that Malik Neighbors is one of the best wide receivers in all of college football. Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman certainly have potential. They're good. They're great. I don't think they're elite, though, and I think Malik Neighbors is an elite wide receiver. And he has players around him, too, like Brian Thomas Jr., Kyron Lacey, and then Aaron Anderson from Alabama, Chris Hilton Jr., Shelton Sampson Jr., who was a near five-star recruit in the 2023 recruiting class. Highly ranked four-star, pardon me. For Florida State, I think they have the edge at running back, tight end, defensive back, and also special teams. LSU's um, special teams unit last year was horrendous. Period. Amen. It was the worst or second worst nationally, according to ESPN's efficiency analytics in special teams efficiency from muffed punts, muffed kickoffs to not so good kicking to bad return coverage, everything possible that could have gone wrong went wrong. And Florida State has the more reliable special teams unit. Is it an elite special teams unit? I wouldn't say so, no. But Florida State, last year they had Ryan Fitzgerald at kicker, and he comes back, completed 60% of his field goal attempts, 98.3% of his extra points, 93 total points last year, and was pretty accurate from 20 to 49 yards, but from 50-plus yards, he was 0 of 3. So will he have more kicking power this year? We'll have to see. But for LSU last year at kicker, last year they had Damian Ramos. They'll have him back again this season. Ramos last year had the same exact long as Ryan Fitzgerald with 47. He wasn't quite as accurate. 2 of 2 from 20 to 29, 6 of 9 from 30 to 39, and 2 of 3 from 40 to 49. And he missed two extra points only at 85 total points, but Ramos was the least of concerns for LSU special teams. That was more so the return game in both punting and also returning kickoffs and punt and kickoff coverage. All of that was horrible for LSU last year. I expect improvement at special teams, but I think that LSU will still have one of the worst special teams units in America this year, and Florida State's will be average to good at that position. At defensive back, again, talking about how close these teams are, I think LSU is an argument to be the superior team at defensive back. However, there are some injuries and also disciplinarian concerns in regards to that defensive back room. Denver Harris has been under watch by the entire staff ever since he joined the team. He had a few suspensions with Texas A&M, and he started a few fights with LSU in the preseason. He's third currently on the cornerback depth chart behind Zy Alexander and Laterance Welch at left corner, and I imagine that Deuce Chestnut and Ashton Stamps would start before he took the field. 
And then J.K. Johnson, who transferred in from Ohio State at corner, another transfer and who was going to make an impact and definitely, in my mind, compete for being in a cornerback rotation, he's unfortunately injured. I absolutely hate injuries, and I wish that injuries weren't a part of the game. However, the sad reality is that they are, and because of injuries and also concerns regarding Denver Harris and maybe how him being in that corner room and at large the defensive back room may have impacted the chemistry of maybe not just that room but the whole defense, the possibility of that, and then Florida State having a good pass defense last year and bringing much of that back and then adding Fentrell Cypress and Ashland Barker through the transfer portal to play in that secondary and Cypress being one of the better ACC corners and really one of the better cornerbacks in the nation last year. I give the slight edge to Florida State at defensive back. The slight edge. More specifically, they have the edge at corner. I do think that LSU is the slight edge at safety. And I think if healthy and if there weren't any discipline concerns, I'd probably give this defensive back room to LSU. Just with them having more depth and also raw talent, and I think Matt House being the better defensive coordinator, being better able to scheme these rooms and develop them. But just with some of those concerns, I give the edge at defensive back to Florida State. For running back, the Seminoles have Trey Benson returning. Trey Benson nearly had 1,000 yards last season. He was only 10 away from breaking quadruple digits. 990 rushing yards, averaged 6.4 yards per carry last year, and he had nine rushing touchdowns. I rated Florida State's running back room pretty low at the beginning of the preseason, and some Florida State fans and college football fans called me out on it. And after researching, I think that Florida State has the better individual running back than LSU, the better individual running back than a lot of teams, actually. But I do want to point out that I think these two teams do not have great running back rooms or elite running back rooms for sure. There are a plethora of teams that have better running back rooms than both of these squads do. In the SEC, Alabama, Ole Miss, those two teams definitely have a better running back room than LSU does. And and Florida does as well. So I think there are three teams that I could immediately name off of the, the top of my head that have better running back rooms than LSU does. I think that Tennessee could compete. Arkansas for sure. Just want to mention that. They're up there with Alabama, Ole Miss, and Florida with Raheem Rocket Sanders. And then in the ACC, I think that Will Shipley is a better running back than Trey Benson, and I think that Clemson has the deeper running back room. And this isn't even including, you know, Oregon State from the Pac-12 or Oregon from the Pac-12. If Cameron Davis with Washington was healthy, Washington could compete for having a better running back room than these two. And then in the Big Ten, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, obviously. The running back room is not a strength necessarily for either of these two squads. But if I had to choose between which running back room I'd rather have, I would choose Florida State's. And then at tight end, Jaheim Bell is one of the best tight ends in the nation. Total Swiss Army knife, transferred in from South Carolina. And Mason Taylor was LSU's only true tight end in action last year. So Florida State has the edge of experience, raw talent, and they have the more versatile tight end room as well. Jaheim Bell can be a receiver, a 
running back, and also used on some trick plays, sometimes for pass attempts. So Florida State has the versatility. I'd say overall they have the edge at skill position, and that's reflected in my players to watch for this game. Keon Coleman, wide receiver for Florida State, who came in from Michigan State, is my player to watch. Mecky Wingo is my player to watch for LSU, defensive tackle. And the players to watch represent really my true thoughts on both of these teams. LSU is more of a traditional, sound, fundamental, trench warfare type college football team. Florida State is more of a flashy, high ceiling, boomer bust type of college football team. In a sense, they're like a true ACC team. When I think of ACC football, I think of weaker trench play, but often with very underrated skill position talent, especially at wide receiver, a reputation of developing good quarterbacks, and also having some underrated running backs, whether it's Will Shipley or Trey Benson. Last year, Israel Abinakanda was an amazing running back, and think about Travis Etienne for Clemson a few years back as well, and then Dalvin Cook at Florida State, rich history in the ACC when it comes to running backs in recent memory. Keon Coleman, high ceiling wide receiver, and that's why he left Michigan State, is he felt like the offense wasn't going to get him the amount of targets, yards, and touchdown catches that he would want. He wants to maximize his potential to earn a living, and to play football for the rest of his life in the NFL, and Florida State gives him that higher potential. Keon Coleman last year led Michigan State in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns, and it was a surprise because Michigan State returned Jaden Reed and Trey Mosley, and Keon Coleman, as a young player, had 58 receptions for 798 receiving yards, seven receiving touchdowns, only had a long reception of 51 and averaged 13.8 yards per reception. He was more of a big-bodied, one-on-one red zone target, and also 6'4", 215 pounds, originally from Louisiana. That was his birthplace, and I think he considered, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he considered choosing LSU or choosing schools closer to home, but he ended up choosing Mel Tucker and Michigan State because of his ties with their coaching staff and how they recruited him. Really high ceiling type of player, four-star out of high school, um, big-bodied target, much like Johnny Wilson, who's 6'7", and even heavier than Keon Coleman for Florida State. So Florida State has several big wide receivers. I'm looking at Keon Coleman specifically because he's an incoming transfer, and Florida State needs more at that position. Jaheim Bell could be another player up here. However, I think we already know who Bell is. Myself and the national audience has more of a familiarity with how elite of a player Jaheim Bell is. Even though I've watched more of Keon Coleman, because I typically cover the Big Ten than I have Jaheim Bell, I know that Jaheim Bell is one of the best tight ends in the nation. I don't know if Keon Coleman's one of the best wide receivers in the nation, and if he is... I think because of how close this game will be, he could be the game-changing transfer. So watch out for Keon Coleman. And then for LSU, I want to talk about Mackie Wingo. Mackie Wingo last year had three sacks, 43 total tackles, four passes defended, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. 
He was, for all intents and purposes, LSU's best defensive tackle last year because Mason Smith was tragically injured for the entire season. 6'1", 295 pounds, definitely knows how to apply pressure and use his momentum to just punish interior offensive lines. From St. Louis, Missouri, 24 solo tackles, and his biggest game last year was against Ole Miss, where he had one and a half sacks, a forced fumble, two passes defended, and seven total tackles. In a game where Ole Miss, this is crazy, Ole Miss led 17-3, to and then LSU proceeded to outscore them 42-3. to 42-3 after trailing 17-3. Quite the turnaround for LSU in that game. That was an incredible, incredible collapse by Lane Kiffin and company. And Mackie Wingo helped with that comeback for Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. I expect improvement from him this year. And with Mason Smith gone, it will be his job to lead that defensive line in shutting down a Florida State offense that will be much better than it has ever been in recent memory. I think that Mike Norvell finally has the pieces to run his offense that he ran at Memphis, and that was high-scoring, you know, snazzy, quick, fast. It was very impressive. So LSU is going to have to be strong and they're going to have to hold their water at the point of attack if they want to win this football game. And I think they will. My prediction is LSU 28, Florida State 25. I think that Florida State will have the better passing game. In fact, they might have the more explosive offense in total. They might be the team that's more entertaining to watch. However, LSU is better depth. They have superior offensive line and defensive line play. And I think that with an improved running back room, Remember Logan Diggs, that's a big transfer, that's a big-time transfer, because Josh Williams and Noah Kane and John, John Emery Jr., they were not enough last year. And I don't think this offensive line has improved enough to where one of those players could be an immediate star, all-SEC caliber running back. So what do you do? You get more depth so that you can rotate more guys and they never get tired, and you can pound the rock like you want to, and utilize play action, and slowly eat up yards, rest your defense, and Logan Diggs is a reliable running back. Logan Diggs, I think, is going to be more of an underrated get from the transfer portal than many would have expected. And with Jaden Daniels being able to scramble and run the football, Jaden Daniels last year had 2,913 passing yards, He was sacked 43 times and still had 885 rushing yards and averaged nearly 5 yards per carry with 11 rushing touchdowns. I think he's going to have over 1,000 rushing yards this year. And that's also with an improved running back room. And we'll see that Sunday night as I think the Tigers will have around 200 rushing yards, but they'll hold Florida State to around 100 rushing yards. Whether it's a little over or under that total, that's why I said around 100, give or take. Florida State, on the other hand, will have close to 300 passing yards. They'll have two passing touchdowns. I'm expecting one, if not both, of those passing touchdowns will be outside of the red zone. Again, there are some concerns with Florida Florida State and their trench play, in my mind, and also if they can match up with this physical LSU team. 
But LSU also has concerns with their corners, with the depth at secondary, and that's a big question mark for the Tigers. And I think that Florida State, with their big-bodied wide receivers, with Jaheim Bell, and with Jordan Travis, who's just exponentially improved since he's arrived at Florida State, I think the Seminoles will exploit some of those question marks and weaknesses for for LSU. But the Tigers will win 28-25, and they will avenge last year's loss. Before we end this video, I want to give a shout-out to my patrons, All-American Spencer Bringhurst and All-Conference patrons Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, and Roaming Gnome. Thank you so much for supporting the channel. I appreciate it. Support is never expected, but something that I list on my Patreon page for all tiers is if you join, I will mention your name at the end of every video. And this list updates weekly. I know that there are some additional patrons who have joined the community, but I have not updated this list yet. That's because I update it at the conclusion of every week. So when I start doing previews for week two, you will see your name at the end of this screen as well if you have joined and you currently do not see your name. Make sure to check out my Patreon page, the link in the description. And thank you guys so much for watching. Please remember to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, click the notification bell, and comment your thoughts on this video down below. What did you think of this matchup? What do you think the prediction and the score will be? Have a great day, guys.